Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the apocalypse, for episode 74, Legion of Gold. I Legion of Gold. Legion, Legion of Gold. I am the apocalypse nerd, and he is Adam Bond Glancy. So this week, we're going back to Gamma World. I talked about it a long time ago. Now we need to make it back to Gamma World. And you know what? I think we're going to do more of that because it's like, you know what? I love Gamma World. And after rereading stuff, I want to do more Gamma World. You know, you got two Twilight 2000 episodes. I want a couple of uh, Gamma World episodes. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I am 100% in favor of this plan. So we're, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the... TSR module for Gamma World uh, in uh, issued in 1981, Legion of Gold. Um, not really going to start with anything this time. Just going to kind of go into the episode because I, I kind of like how the episode um, last week uh, went for. Oh, and by the way, folks, this is what three episodes in a month. We're 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 on fire. Let me oh, tell you. <laughs> have we completely forgotten how to slack off? I mean, I <sighs> think something's gone terribly wrong here. We're just I don't know. Uh, Bob would not be proud. No, no, he would not. Um, by the way, if you folks need to know Jer Bob Dobbs, look it up. But yeah. um, we're not here to educate you. We're here to educate you about the things that we care about. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Only. Uh, Only. Uh, it's unfortunate the only things I have the patience to learn have no value in life, or something like that. Calvin <laughs> says. Um. um so I like the way that format went with the, uh, the off-topic stuff because I, I remember that, oh, I forgot a couple of things I wanted to talk about. And there's some other things that have come up. And it's like, you know what? We'll save that and we'll drop those little, you know, you know 45-minute shows, hour shows, and just talk about other stuff. I think we're just, we'll do those on a regular basis and kind of save uh, some of the pre-show talking uh, for those episodes because I – uh, I said, I forgot a bunch of stuff. I'm going to write it down. I was like, oh, I forgot to show them this. I forgot to talk about this. So bad on me. Uh, but the only thing I do want to talk about is we had our winner for oh, the yeah. for, for the co contest number two, uh, the coloring contest. So, uh, you know, I announced the winner, and he will be getting his copy of uh, Jerry Ahern's The Survivalist Number One Total War. Um, we had, uh, we had, uh, five entries into the contest, not a lot, but uh, you know, it's, we're a small little podcast, so I'm surprised we get anything. So, uh, but what we did like about the, the entries was each entry was unique and different. No two people did the same thing, which was cool. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, one person did actual crayons. One person used Photoshop. One person used Microsoft Paint. You know, um, you know. One person did a bit of an abstract type of uh, um, a piece. So um, everybody did it lo differently. Everybody's looked completely different. So that was really cool. Uh, so there was a lot of good creativity uh, with the contest. So we really liked that. But as you saw when I posted the uh, winner, that the one with the crayons kind of won our hearts. You know, we kind of like, we were just like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of how I do it, you know? So uh, that's the one we enjoyed the most, and that's the one that won. So um, no worries if you didn't win this contest. I said, you, I showed you last time I have a stack of books for a future contest. So I'll have to come up with another contest to figure out uh, how to give away those books. I'm not, uh, not sure what to do yet, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, I was... Uh... There were a lot of amazing entries, um, uh, but the uh, the crayons the crayons felt uh, very appropriate for that uh, that time and place. Yeah, and, and for folks, it's not like we told you that you should have done it with crayons to make it better. It's like we no. told you we told you to do what you wanted. The the guy who did the felt tip uh, the felt tip uh, illustration was great. The um, uh, the guy who used uh, the computer. Uh, uh, illustration and coloring program looked like it came from Hanna Barbera's studios as one of their promotional pieces, but uh, yeah, the crayons was just uh, that just really was the sort of just sort of the right thing. Yeah, it's what uh, it's what we like the best. Again, there was no there was no right or wrong in the contest, folks. So, uh, but like I said, we appreciate everybody who entered, and we appreciate you know uh, get a chance to look at what you had. So. 
Uh, so that's all I want to say about that. But now we're, let's uh, dive into um, Legion of Gold. The first, it was the first module, uh, GW1, that came out in 1981 for Gamma World. It was the first module for Gamma World, even though Gamma World previously came out in uh, 70, uh, you know, 70, oh my God, I should be hung up. Is it 77 or 8? Was it? No, it wasn't 8, was it? thought it was 8. Well, um, you know, fortunately, you you keep talking, and I'll go use the device. Well, there you go. Where's your where's your copyright right on that? Yeah, I got it right here. Hold on, I got my glasses. Oh, it was seventy eight. Uh, man, I sh I should be strung up for not knowing these things. But um, uh, seventy eight. So the first module didn't come out till eighty one. So you were kind of on your own for three years. Now, yeah, and I and I can remember. You know, the stuff that I was coming up with as a game master or a, a referee or whatever they called uh, the guy who ran it, you know, not dungeon master, but I can remember the stuff that I was coming up with. So when this came out, it kind of knocked me for a loop because this really wasn't what I was expecting. And once it came out, it changed the way I looked at Gamma World and Gamma World uh, game design and scenario design forever after this. Oh yeah, and the thing is with the with the Legion of Gold, this I think was the only one like it. This one is very because uh, this was done by Gary Gygax with Luke Gygax and Paul Ritchie the Third. So this was done by Gygax, and it had it has that kind of stamp on it. It definitely has that feel of you know a lot of the because a lot of D and D modules that come out prior to that, you know. So it kind of has that feel, you know, uh, to that. And anything after that didn't quite have that feel. Not that people didn't make good modules, but they had a different feel. Because the Legion of Gold, I think out of all the models that were ever that ever came out for Gamma World, I think this one was really, truly the only um, sandbox. Because you had an adventure, you had a main adventure, you had mini adventures, but they also populated the area with other mini encounters that you could do. Or if your people go... They set up uh, the main area, the uh, the city of Horn, which is the main uh, city in, in in this region. They detail that very well, give you a lot of information about it. So it can almost be like a base of operations. You can have other adventures of your own create stem off of this. So it was definitely a very good sandbox uh, module, a lot of additional information in it. But nothing else that came out after that uh, was like this. You know, you had GW2, Famine, and Fargo. That was a rite of passage module. Um, uh, you had the Albuquerque Spaceport, which came out in the mini screen, which was just one a one shot mini adventure, which was very it's, good. It's, it's really just unencountered. Yeah, it's it's one it's a it's a yeah, it's a pretty it's a it's an encounter a, a big encounter. Well, yeah, it's a decent size encounter. I, I kind of and I kind of really enjoy that because I actually played to that one. Um, uh, then you had uh, GW three and four. You had uh, the Cleansing Wars of Gritty Black Hand. You had the Mind Masters. Both of those were still kind of almost not quite rite of passage, but they were kind of adventures starting out. Um, then you went into third edition, uh, which had uh, uh, the series of modules like you know Alpha Factor and all those were. You're also, uh, you're also forgetting the, the was it into the, the, the into the ruins, which came oh yeah 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 the into the ruins which was um, in the second edition box set. Um, so, but it wasn't. Uh, a published module per se, like you know, uh, like these yeah. like the other ones. Yeah, but you know, I, I, the the fact that it's a published module is always a good plan because uh, most I think most games need to have a published module with them uh, as a starting uh, demo on the tone of the game. You know, the 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 atmosphere. Um, I think that's really useful to first starting game players and game. Oh, players. great! So that's yeah, that's what kind of was missing in the first edition set, whereas the second edition had that. Which, uh, which all, all, I, all they have is that weird little write up of the Grenberets. Remember that in the first edition book, there's a write up of, you know, you're sort of a rite of passage write up of like, okay, here's a setup for a game. You're in a tribe, descended from, you know, a warrior people called the Grenberets. You know, who's 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 leader John John Juan or something? You know, it's all John Wayne and the Green Berets and yeah, sample you know, yeah from the sample world design. They yeah, had. Um, yeah. they went with a sample world design rather than a sample um, 
scenario, which was really interesting to me because it was like a a ten thousand foot view uh, as opposed to something nice and specific that uh, a player could you know players and game master could immediately get get involved with. Yeah. So that. So you know. So that it had that, and then the 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 third edition modules uh, were like one long series like campaign. So it wasn't really a sandbox and it wasn't just individual like rites of passage. It was a little bit different. And then fourth edition came out and it had a couple of adventures. It had um, uh, the mutant masters and all animals must be equal, which are, you could like, like especially all animals must be equal. You could drop that the zoo. Cause it was like a mutated animal campaign uh, adventure. You mm-hmm. could drop it. You could drop it in anywhere. The mutant masters, um, they had home before the sky falls, which was a, um, just a, like a big adventure, you know, so nothing really was like Legion of Gold. Um, that sandbox wasn't a rite of passage. And that's it for modules because then you had all well, the yeah, alternate- yeah, You're right. Man, Mind Masters, all of these were, I mean, Cleansing Hands of Gar- Cleansing Wars of Dark Blackhand was very... Mm, Crappy. Well, I want to say that there was, it was just a bunch of scenes that you kind of bounce from one scene to the other. Yeah. You know, uh, in pursuit of one goal and then you're done. Um, no, I mean, Harn, Harn, this area around the barony of Harn um, is is sort of set up in a way that you could um, uh, it, it, you could revisit it, right? You could revisit it and do other things. Yes, uh, hence, you know, it's they really they really did set up for like long term, like a sandbox, which was really cool. Um, and then there was no other mod again in uh, uh, fifth edition, sixth edition, seventh. There really wasn't any other modules. Except for well, seventh edition tried to emulate that, but it was just basically more uh, board game miniature components. But that's a whole other story. But Legion of Gold. Um, me and Scott were talking about this beforehand. I asked him. I said, "Would you believe it if I told you I had three copies of Legion of Gold?" And he goes, "Yes, I do. I only have two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I went to pull them off the shelf, I realized I had an extra copy up there." And I, I don't know what the difference is, except, you know, they both say, uh, you know, 1980 TSR on them. They all have, they all look identical on the outside. One of them is a little darker than the other. Uh, and I don't know if that's because they were originally printed or one of them has faded over the years to be less um, dark. Probably faded. Um, I, I would say it would go with that because the three copies I have, here is my original copy. You know, people who are listening to the podcast can't see it. Um, I have my original copy that I got probably in, you know, 82, 83. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, this is my original copy that I've had for 30 plus years. I have a second copy that I got probably, I don't know, 15 years ago on eBay when you can still get this stuff cheap because um, my camera is so out of focus. Yeah, you are. You're, you're a little blurry, sir. Yeah, it's not, it's, there you go. Um, it's because I'm moving around too much and the autofocus isn't catching me. Um, you know, now everybody thinks, you know, uh, King Midas has come by and touched all their old stuff. Um, so (laughs) they're like listing it for like, you know, outrageous prices for the biggest pieces of crap I've ever seen. They're like vintage and uh, anyway. So, but this is a copy I got for like, I don't know. I don't even know where I got this. I got on eBay or got in a bookstore or something. I got it like for like a couple of dollars. You know, and this was my turlet copy for many a year. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, your what copy? My turlet. You got to sit on the turlet. You know, you need something to read when you're sitting on the turlet. Okay. I see. You know, this is well before I had my first smartphone. So um, this sat on the back, the back tank of the of the, of the turlet. And you know if I you know if I knew I was going to be there for an extended period of time, at least I had, I had something to read. So I have that, and I originally picked up. Um, I still have, and I have it in a backing board thing. Is I have a sealed copy. Why do I need a sealed copy of it? Well, because it's I it's a sealed copy. I got to have a sealed copy of it. You know. Yeah. So so three copies of Legion of Gold. Three Ar- archival purposes. You've got to keep an extra copy for the archive. Three, three copies. Who needs three fucking copies of Legion of Gold? Who yeah. in their right mind? 
there's two people out there who do not have copies of Legion of Gold, and they want to know why they don't have them. It is because you are hoarding them, sir. Yes. You are hoarding the Legion of Gold. Hey. You, bo you bogarted all the Legion of Gold. Hey, there's plenty of them up on eBay, but people want, like, you know, vintage game module. We don't even know what it is, but we're going to list it, and we're going to ask, like, you know, $40 for it. It's like, it's a piece of crap. It's not worth five, you know, <laughs> but... Um, so Legion of Gold, oh, just one little funny thing, also thing about Legion of Gold, again, nobody's going to be able to see this, if you're listening to the audio later, is I still have, and I was digging through my Gamma World stuff here, you can hear my papers here, folks, is, because I know uh, these characters went through the Legion of Gold, okay? Mm -hmm. These are my group of characters, this was like a piece of paper that my GM had kept, with you know hit points and stuff on it, and then if you could see, if people are on the video, you can see see like up here, he had drawn a picture of the top of the bunkers that you go into and the uh, oh our, yeah our marching order, you know like how are you guys standing outside, you know like so that was from there, that was from that module with the four characters, my character Slag Iron, so Slag Iron. Which I think I ripped that name off of your favorite. Uh, we talked about it last show. The Steel, the Mist, and the Blazing Sun. I think there was a character named Slagiron. So <laughs> I think I ripped the name from that. <laughs> okay. Because that's what I do. So I'm not very creative. Um, and of course, the heavy influence of 2000 AD. Um, one of the, the we actually had somebody else playing with us, and of course we had Stronium Dog. Was okay. uh, character and he looks just like Stronium Dog. Oh, I was so hoping he'd be named Stronium Dog, but he'd be a. Uh, is it is it the arcs that have the? Oh yeah, yeah, it does look like Stronium Dog. Hey, well, um, hold on, so they can see it. So they can see. Yep, Stronium Dog. I was hoping yeah. it'd be. Is it the arcs that are the ones that look like that are look like dog-headed people? Um, the mutant creature. Anyways, I was hoping it was going to be a dog-headed person. Whose name was Ra he was a radioactive dog creature named Stronium now, just dog. we just ripped it off of Stronium Dog from 2000 AD, <laughs> and then we had two we had our two NPCs that he controlled because you know you can't do it just two people. Um, here's our pure strain human with the name Spikes Harvey Rotten. Uh, it's, it's right here, folks. It's right here. I didn't make this shit up. Okay, move, move it to the center of the screen. Move it to the center of the screen so people can see. Yeah, that's Godilla. Speak so the camera will show you, because that's... There's Stronium Dog. And then there's the other guy in the bottom, Drock, the other NPC. <laughs> Again, 2000 AD. But then if you look at it, here was the original picture, then he didn't like it, and he drew another picture, and the guy looks more like the illustrations of um, uh, Stainless Steel Rat. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, Harry Harrison's Stainless Steel Rat. Harry Harrison's Stainless Steel Rat. I like I like the first Drock. I like his hat. I do too. Over his eyes, I, I, that, I actually think that's great. And and he wrote on here. Uh, he's like, I look like a dork. The other one here, <laughs> but look now I'm cool. And it has a picture of the guy, and it's like he's saying, "Let's kill him, damn it." <laughs> <laughs> well, Drock is uh, an anagram of dork. So, yep. So, but again, our heavy, I've talked before, the heavy influence of 2080. So these were actual characters that I went through Legion of Gold with. You know, we got the micro minibus after we completed it and took off, you know, and then we, you know, wound up somewhere in the south and lost the bus, lost, you know. So, um, so there you go. So here are my original characters that went through Legion of Gold. Pretty cool. Yep. Now, like we said, Legion of Gold sandbox. Pretty, pretty good module. It has... Uh, one, two, three mini adventures plus uh, the main adventure, which is the Legion of Gold. So, uh, you know, they try to set it up to where, you know, okay, you go through, you know, go, you know, um, oh, and all the way, by the way, folks, we're going to try not to spoil this, you know, 37-year-old oh, module, um, but we may get some spoilers, but there's, you know, there's uh, the first mini adventure with the Bugums at the Genzer Goose Ranch, and um, 
Then there's the shelters. Then there's uh, the uh, well. I want to set it up. I want to set it up to at least say you know there's the barony of Horn and Baron Horn who runs this particular area, and his territory is under attack by the Legion of Gold. These strange uh, sort of armored invaders that maybe that use high tech stuff from before the apocalypse and uh, who's who are impervious to weapons and so on and so forth. And um, the mini adventures are, uh, you know, that there is a, you know, that there's a, a, what do you call it? A, a reward for, you know, stopping this problem for the Baron because his troops keep getting defeated when they go out to fight the Legion of gold. Um, and so you as adventurers start poking around at the various rumors that, you know, the Legion of Gold is here, or the Legion of Gold has done this, and it takes you on these mini adventures, um, three of them, before you actually find your way to the Legion of Gold. But there are these three sort of mini adventures that are... Um, well, they're, they're helping build you and get you equipment, get you experience, um, so you can take on the Legion of Gold. Yeah. But, it's, but it's not just the mini adventures... They really map out the whole region. There's all kinds of areas for encounters. You know, you got your normal random encounters, but there's actually named encounter areas that are not part of any of the main quests. They're not part of the mini adventures, but they're just there if you wander upon them. You know, so that's why I said this module is very different and is very reminiscent of a lot of the old uh, Dungeons and Dragons TSR, you know, dungeon modules that they that they made in the late '70s and early '80s, because it has that to where they just don't give you bare bones. You know, they actually give you a lot of other things to. Well, they give you some bare bones. They give you. They definitely give you the framework for it and give you other encounters in there. Like, oh, here's this here. There's this here, which is pretty cool. And I said you could actually probably stay there and use it as a as a base of operations. You know. If you just if you wanted to, because they give you enough detail about the city of Horn to be able to launch your campaign off of there. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other thing I want to throw out that was sort of a shock to me as a player was the bullet section. There's an entire section adding new weapons to the game uh, in Appendix B called uh, you know which is all you know rifled muskets that the Baron's troops are walking around with a lot of rifled muskets that they're making locally which suddenly redefined for me what the tech level was in some parts of Gamma World. You know, at first it sounds like it's swords and it's medieval swords and spears unless it's ancient technology. But older than super technology, older than futuristic technology is being rediscovered. So you got flintlock muskets. And then there's this big section on um, various kinds of... Um, Ballistic weapons like ballistic, shotguns, yeah. rifles, pistols. They give you yeah. some because they don't really have that in the basic Gamma World book. They the only thing they have that are uh, projectile throwers are slug throwers, which and are were rubber bullet firing. I guess they use a battery, right? So there's there must be like Gauss powered um, uh, or some sort of mechanical slingshot powered uh, anti riot. Yeah, it's that's all there is. That fires a rubber ball or a rubber bullet or something. To knock down rioters. Yeah, so this gives you actually here's shotguns, here's rifles, here's you know, um, here's pistols. So Which always confuse the fuck out of me because if military standard for the age that the apocalypse happens is laser rifles, what the fuck are these M16s, you know, doing and AK47s doing laying around? Uh, you know? National Guard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> are they like in some guy's collection? Like if I've got a musket that's a hundred years old or two hundred years old. You know, is this for, <laughs> it's for um, reenactors, you know, people who want to reenact, say, the Vietnam War, uh, uh, as opposed to the Civil War. Now it's all AK-47s and, and uh, M-16s or something. I don't yeah, know. It, it can be a little confusing, but at least they do give you information about ammunition that, you know, percentage rate for failures because they're really old and stuff. So at least they, they tried. You know. Well, for me, I always thought of it as, you know, um, I wasn't sure what to do with it, but it meant that if I wanted to just do rules for an apocalypse, it was just guns and not ray guns. Now I had the rules to do it. Yeah. You know? I had the rules to do it. Yeah. But besides, the, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the weapons, you know, there's new creatures that you could add there that, that aren't even just ones that are 
part of the mini adventures. They're just, you know, in that world, you know, oh, yeah. uh, there's new mutations. There's, and then Appendix C, they describe all the villages in the Barony of Horn. Yeah. They give you a, a little blurb about some have like a sentence, some have multiple sentences. So like, and, again, and, and for the ones that were destroyed by the Legion of Gold, there's still a description of what they were and what the population was like. So if you get rid of the Legion of Gold and decide you're going to, you know, people are going to rebuild those villages, you know, it'll say what the economy was, you know. This is a place that's all about lumber. This is a place that's all about, you know, stone cutting or, or, or quarrying, you know. So you could be involved, you know, in maybe re, uh, you know, being the guy who's given a, a, made a knight by the Baron and you go out and you get your little fiefdom, you know, you could become the guys who run one of these places being rebuilt. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, again, this whole, this module reads like a D&D module to me with the way they set up everything, you know, it, it, you know, and then it also has more treasure tables in the back too. So, so you have more random junk people could find like large plastic box, excellent condition contains a hang glider. Oh no, no, that is not my favorite treasure. Oh, I just write as right at random. Uh, my favorite, my favorite, um, uh, you know, plastic box, uh, table treasure two plastic container. Um, no, that's not it. There's one of them that contains fucking miniatures. Okay. Oh yes. Yes. There's, yes. there's one that contains lead miniatures. And first of all, I'm like, Oh yeah, here we go. A plastic box, fair condition contains 10 unpainted lead figurines in good condition. I'm oh. like, it's oh, so, so they found your burial site, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, lead? Why aren't they using pewter? Why isn't this, you know, whatever the new material? Why isn't it Duraloy? I want my I want my figures in Duraloy so they won't bend and snap the barrels of their, their guns off anymore. They're, I, made, I they're made from Domars. <laughs> yeah, melt down your Domars. Uh, may use them to make miniatures. So, yeah, that was hilarious that there's a box of fucking miniatures. <laughs> well again it's the product of its time um yeah because that's what was available because like there's even this um uh aftermath mo uh adventure uh operation um morpheus i think it is mm -hmm. where you wake up out of the cryo sleep at the university in australia they talk about the computer like I, I, i've been trying to find I, i've been looking through the module i can't find it um there, it talks about the computers in, a, in the computer lab, and they made a point saying that, the, oh, there were 256K of memory, like they were this super high, <laughs> that they were really high tech. Wow, 256K of memory. Well, because you figure when this thing was written, your home computer had 64K of memory, so it was like, you know, that's like, wow, that's like quadruple that. Amazing the future technology has. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, all these games in the 80s always, always, always underestimated what the fucking information age. I remember the size of the computers in, in square tonnage of Starship space in, in um, you know, Traveler. And there was even this thing about how you can only run a certain number of programs at the same time. I was like, wait a minute, what tech level is this again? You know, we've got, you know, we're, we're, we're jumping through hyperspace, but my, my, you know, my, I have to keep changing floppy disks in my fucking computer so I can run a gunnery program or a uh, navigation program. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah, they, yes. They got, the, answer, the answer is yes. They got that wrong. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, but <laughs> I know it's... Suddenly, suddenly uh, Frank Herbert doesn't seem like such an idiot for when he wrote Dune, and he just wrote computers out of his world. You yeah. know? So that humans did the, you know, human minds trained to do what computers can do instead. You know, I was like, uh, oh, okay, problem solved. I won't look like a retard if the technology changes. Uh, that was that was visionary. It was. Um, so, Legion of Gold. So, anyway, so, very detailed. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like, little hidden things in the game in this adventure. I, I've read through this thing so many times. There's a lot of little things that, like, unless you're really 
exploring and digging, you don't, you don't even know what's going to be there. It's just like the way they just put this random information in there that the players may or may not ever find it. You know, and all the you know because it's like what because well, I've looked. This is the old days of gaming where um, your game master could be a dick and say, okay, you search the room. Where do you look? And if you don't say the exact place you're looking, you don't find it. There's no skill search room, right? So it's, it was actually practical, not like the instant gratification gimme because I have no sense of character death gaming that exists now. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there was no uh, skill search room. There's no, uh, it, you literally have to, I mean, depending on your, who your game master is, maybe you just say, we search the room. But there's some things like, you know, underneath the bugum eggs is X. And I'm like, did, did, did people really lift up the, bug, the big gelatinous bugum eggs to look under them to find the shotgun shells? That seems, that seems a bit much. That seems to expect a bit much from the players. Oh, I'm, um, all, I'm all for it because, again, you know, We'll, we'll stay away from the debate about how, you know, gaming is weak now. Um, Weaklings. You know, however, they, you know, I've, I've, been, I've read a couple of good, interesting things lately about how they can people I put complain. My cursor, can I just put my cursor over it and it gives me a list of shit that's there? Yeah. Oh, the whole thing with like characters don't have, don't fear permadeath and, no. um, you know. That you know, like I read people like who like ran some people through some old school models and they whined and cried about how their characters died. It's just like <laughs> it's not a video game, you know. But you know what? That's what gaming is now. You're gonna cater to the audience. You know, they're not making games for us anymore. They're no. making they're making games for the ten to fifteen year old us, and that's what they know. You know, so yeah, I can't blame you can't blame them for making things for their audience because they want to sell products, you know. Marketing, marketing, marketing. But anyway, I digress about being a fussy old grognard. But, uh, but yeah, no, the Legion Code, it has all, again, it has all this weird stuff, like, in this place, buried underneath this bubble, like, how are they going to know to look there, you know? But yeah. if you do, the reward is cool, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, what things you want to get into as far as, like, talking about um, – uh, things that I mean, we could we want to talk. I mean, we talked about some of the, I guess, in jokes. Do we want to throw out some of the in jokes and references? Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of in jokes and references. Um, uh, like uh, me and Scott were just talking about one. He'll talk about that in a second. Um, well, actually, they're both related to in in the second mini adventure with the with the the Fallout shelters. There's two uh, in jokes or two references or Easter eggs, you know, whatever you want to call them. One of them is. Um, a reference to a boy and his dog. There's creatures in it called screamers, which are they glow in the dark, they make a lot of noise, and they're and they're harking back to the creatures in a boy and his dog because there are creatures that they run away from that glow and scream and make noise. You and know, so green. They even green. the same color. Yeah. So they did. They definitely did a, a nod to a boy and his dog in in there because it's. Um, in that, but then also in the bunkers, you find. Yeah, we'll, we'll spoil it. Just uh, tell them. You know, you find um, it, you, it, you it, find it, a box. Yeah, you find a box, an empty box that says Zugwarts on it. Z G W R R T Z Zugwarts, and that is a reference to the TSR game, uh, Awful Green Things from Outer Space, where Zugwarts is the universal food on the spaceship that is being overrun. I'm suddenly forgetting the name of the spaceship from Awful Green Things, but it's on that—that's the name of the food on the ship is Zugwarts, and you can use it as a weapon against the Awful Green Things because uh, some it'll sometimes act as a poison or repellent uh, and uh, and chase them off uh, as they're attempting to overrun the the ship. Oh, the starship Zuntar, Znutar, Z N U N T A R, Znutar. Zuntar, I don't know. I'm going to we'll, say Zuntar. Now, when we say Awful Green Things in Outer Space was TSR, actually, when it originally came out, and I think and it came out before Legion of Gold, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it came out in the late 70s, and I think it was Tom Wham who uh, made that game and illustrated it. Um, he was a TSR alumni back then. So it was originally owned by... Uh, Awful Green Things was originally owned by TSR. 
but now uh, I think it's past hands, and it's now uh, Steve Jackson Games uh, owns it now. Yes, I think so. So, but again, but back in the day, it was a TSR product. Like if you look at any of their old catalogs, you'll see awful green things from outer space in there, along with Sniss Revenge, which was another uh, Tom Wham uh, game. So, yeah. yeah, so they referenced that. So little in jokes, and I'm sure there's other in jokes in there that we just missed. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure out who John Freeman is. Because in the uh, in the one base, uh, the one underwater facility, there's a plaque that you know says something about you know uh, facility whatever uh, established by the U.S. government, and uh, it says John F. Reeman, R. E. E. M. A. N., uh, Secretary of Technological Advancement. Well, I'm presuming that J. O. N. Freeman. I, I was just trying to Google that a second ago. I was thinking, is this a reference to an employee, John Freeman? Who was that an employee at, at TSR again, way back in the day? But I don't know. I don't know what it's a reference to yet. Uh, if somebody figures out the reference, for God's sake, put it in the comments below. You know. Yeah. Let it. Let us. Let us know. Um. But um. Uh. The. Huh, funny. I didn't. Uh. I'm glad people are watching on YouTube because I, you know, 35 minutes ago when we started, I forgot to post. <laughs> I forgot to post the, the, the post to say watch us live so people found us. Man. But, and yet they did. Holy crap. But now I just posted it 35 minutes late. Join us live. Well, if, you, if you're just joining it now, folks, we're already, at, we're already most of the way through this because I forgot to press the button, but at least you can watch it uh, on there now. <laughs> um, Let's see what else. Uh, I was going to say that um, uh, just sort of weird things that always stood out for me in the game. Um, weird things that always stood out. When you, uh, maybe I'll ask you the same question. When you get around to like, and again, it's pretty detailed, although some of the locations are really detailed, and the city of Harn is very detailed. And one of the things that's detailed is the Baron's sort of you know, fortress residence in the middle of town and what kind of gear he has on hand and how many soldiers. And there's a, there's a vehicle shed where he's got a bunch of vehicles and inexplicably, I was like, even as a kid, when I read this almost 40, almost 40 years ago, I'm reading this and thinking, Oh, okay. He's got a turbine car and some, what they call an environmental car an internal combustion, military vehicle, hover car, Blah blah blah, and then it says four bubble cars. Oh yeah, he's got a whole garage. He he's freaking. Uh, he's a, he he should be on cribs. You know, yeah. gamma cribs, gamma world. But he's got four bubble cars, and as a kid, I remember reading this going, "Bubble car, isn't that the one that's described as the most advanced vehicle in the world that can fly anywhere and underwater and can go to the moon or something?" He's, well, he's the Baron. But he's got four of them, and he doesn't have a single suit of decent power armor. His priorities are completely fucked up, as far as I'm concerned. He I told you, a, Cribs, Gamma World. You know, uh, he should totally have a, a much cooler set of uh, power armor and um, much lamer vehicles. Because I'm like, wait a minute, you've got four vehicles that can go to the moon and back. Yeah, why but why but the, but the, the vehicles don't have won't have that won't don't really have an impact to the course of the adventure. Zero, zero. Zero. Impact. You know, but if there was access to suits of power armor, that would totally change. Oh, you know what? If he had suits of power armor, he would have been able to defeat the Legion of Gold. Good point. Good point. Clearly, he invested improperly. It's like, well, I had a, a suit of power and assault armor, but I traded it for a, a bubble car. Another one, sir. Another one. You don't know me. Come on. He's got them all painted up like the Bhagwan Rajneesh where one's plaid and <laughs> one's one's all in in gold, got flames on it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. Because it, it, again, you wouldn't have, if you didn't if you would have had the DSX Machina of power armor, the, you know you wouldn't you would you wouldn't be hired to defeat the Legion of Gold. So, yeah. Um, actually, I went to the YouTube. Page. I usually shut off the comments because I don't have time to monitor the comments. Um, somebody did say that uh, there was a module included in the third edition. Uh, and they're right. I think there is a module there. I just don't remember because I never really played third edition. Um, even though I have it, it's just one of those things I never really looked at it because I didn't particularly care for the rule set. So I'd forgotten there was a module there. 
Uh, somebody also wanted to know if we're going to review the latest Legion of Gold from 2011. Uh, because he knows we already know how you feel about Gamerald 7th Edition. Well, if you already know how I feel about Gamerald 7th Edition, why would you be asking me if I'm going to review <laughs> the Legion minute. of Gold from that Steam Impala fucking crap uh, how edition? Is a, how is there a Legion of Gold with that? Okay, never mind. I, th no, it's they, they, they make a box set for Legion of Gold. They make a box set for right, uh, um, Famine of Fargo, which is a box that has token counters and giant maps because that's all seventh edition was like here's your map encounter to fight because it's really a board game or a tacticals miniature game not yeah. a role-playing game so uh so yeah you answered your own question wink wink when you your little wink uh saying that you know how i feel about it so that's no we're not going to review it we're talking about the real version gw1 first edition gam world legion of gold um Uh, let's see. Somebody else just say, I don't normally do this. Somebody says that they never played, but they like they're digging it. They, uh, cool. Uh, again, that's how you learn about other things. And somebody says, I'm shutting off the comments. Good thing I don't have anything important to say. Okay, good. I didn't say I am shutting the comments off. I said I should shut comments off because I don't really have a chance to see them because I don't go to them. So normally I do disable them. So Scott Jones, if you got something to say, um, say it. Say it. Maybe because I'm going away from that page and I'm not looking at the comments again the rest of the show. So, um, Lay it anyway, on. Lay, yeah, lay it on us, buddy. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I know. There is some ridiculous, that, that is true. There's ridiculous. He has, like, he has the freaking, you know, cribs, car garage full of vehicles. And then also, yeah, at the end, part, part of your reward is, I think, uh, when you go to the Legion of Gold edition uh, section, they give you a micro flint uh, minibus, which is, half-assed and broken down and doesn't work so you could get to that location because it's like on the other side of the map you know but it's like really you're giving you're giving me this you know 73 uh pinto but you have you <laughs> you have all the <laughs> dude you have yeah he's got a hover a, a, a hover armored personnel carrier and yet somehow yeah we're doing it this way okay, okay hold on i'm gonna see now i have to break it out all right so the vehicle shed let me get my glass. I got my glasses on so I can read this. The vehicle shed. One turbine car. Three flint cars. One environmental car. Five civilian internal combustion vehicles. Two military alcohol combustion vehicles. One hover car. Military armored with a fusion rifle gun. I don't know why he doesn't use that to fight the Legion of Gold. Two armored personnel carriers hover type. One hover car. And four bubble cars. So he also has a light cargo lifter, two light cargo transports, one agricultural bot, one engineering bot, standard, and three general household, uh, three general household robotoids. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. So cribs. A lot. <laughs> cribs. Cribs, uh, you know. Cribs, the Baron, the Baron of Horn. <laughs> Baron Jameis Horns, Cribs. You know, so then when you go to that last that last adventure, uh, let me see what he let me see the piece of junk he gives you. Um, yeah, I wish you could get the uh, Aqua vehicle in the uh, third adventure. Um, well, you can't take it there. I know, I mean, but it's it, but it's cool. It, it's super cool. Um, but it, it, you know, and, and if you, and the thing is, is that chances are you'll end up having to turn it over to the Baron. So I guess he gets to start a Navy <laughs> or something. Yeah. He needs naval power. Um, well, he lets, well, they let you take equipment. Yes. Um, rifles and stuff like that. Um, I'm looking here. I can't. Oh God! Um, treasure items. Leaving horn. Okay. You were led outside the palace to a small place, plaza, where a flint car microbus is parked. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like it's basically an atomic-powered fucking VW bus. <laughs> yeah, it's, That's a it's the mystery machine, sir. You've just, you've just been given the mystery machine. 
Yeah, so, the, you know, it also has, you know, it's full atomic power cell, a food and fuel for a week, uh, radiation, uh, travel tools, repair kit, fire extinguisher, red flares, orange smoke, fat, you know, all this cr crazy crap, which, again, it, it shows for its time, you know, like, how, you know, it's funny. But uh, it's basically a piece of junk. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a 10% chance for 10 minutes of uh, such treatment above 35. If you go about 35 miles per hour on the ground, there's a 10% chance every 10 minutes it's going to break down in forever. You know, so it's a total piece of crap he gives you. <laughs> it's the, it's the freaking the magic bus from the who, you know. Um, but, um, but yeah, but there's a lot in this. There's a lot in besides. It's it's cool that it has a bunch of connecting mini adventures. Um, I liked you know you know uh, the bugums and and the shelters and the the aquatic one doesn't really I don't know doesn't contribute too much, but it's interesting. You know the the aquatic one doesn't move you closer. Well, there's some information you gain. You're right. You're right. Actually, the aquatic one, the um. The, the androids, or maybe I should call them cyborgs, um, they've, they know where uh, the problem is, and they're working on it themselves. So you really do pinpoint where the... Uh, th that's, a, that's your biggest clue to where the, uh, the actual location of the Legion of Gold is, is finding out that these guys are already on the job trying to, trying to track it down. Um, excuse me. Um, the, I'll tell you what, though, when I, maybe this sounds weird, but when I ran this, I, I hated, I don't know why as a kid, but I hated the fact that the underwater base had a damaged dome. And the damaged dome was the thing that has uh, the base arsenal, the um, communications section, and the five cryo-frozen humans from before the collapse. And it's this, you know, water-filled, you know, uh, section that you can't get into, um, but somehow you're expected to get those humans out. Uh, that always bothered me. I don't know why. And so I, you know, I, I, for my players, rather than make them learn how to scuba dive and then learn how to get the humans out of the, the you know, uh, cryo-sleep, um, you know, uh, or learn how to get them out of there while underwater. I just went with the thing where I just said, okay, maybe if I'm going to damage something, it'll be communications or the weapon section so that this base is isolated from the network of the created, right? The cryptic society of, of, of androids that, uh, left over from the Android rebellion. You know, maybe I'll damage one section of it and leave the other two open so that, you know, the players can at least get to the stuff that's cool, right? Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I hate it. Like, really? We can't get to all that crap? And and I, like, it, it seemed like well, there was, it, was, it was like all the stuff really well described that you can't have. And I'm like, I'm not sure the players are going to be able, with their Stone Age technology, figure out how to use the scuba suits and then underwater, get into the damaged section, and then manage to remove from the damaged section the, 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 the caskets, which are huge, which are a giant deal. If you get five humans from the before times and get them back to the university in Harn, um, the restorationists back there are going to shit their pants and give you anything, you know. But I want to know is why didn't the androids they – the, they have the equipment to, to repair it. Yeah, also to or to get the guys out. It says the androids presumed the humans were dead. It's like, well, why didn't they just put on the scuba gear and just go and check? They don't need scuba gear. They're fucking androids. Well, um, I guess you're right. I guess I guess they don't need. They wouldn't need the scuba gear, right? But why can't they just walk in there and check? Yeah, why Why couldn't they just repair? Go out there, repair it. So that's a little bit of a plot hole. It's that's a little bit. You know. You know. It's again like every other early dungeon. You know. Dungeons and Dragons module, you know, oh, there's always something. There's always something dumb. In it like, why did they do that? You know, why, yeah, why describe a section that's damaged you can't get access to? That's actually a brilliant idea. It, 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 it the idea, if you want to like knock out the communications section, oh, it flooded. It ruined all the communications gear. There's no replacement parts. But 
um, they're able to salvage the arsenal. They they repair it, drain it, salvage the arsenal, and then the uh, the you know the cryogenic, I guess, prison cells, you know, uh, are still viable. So you know they've cleaned the place up, but the communications are still knocked out. You still have a reason why some lake monster smashed into the base or whatever. Or again, it could have been left there for later. Like if yeah. the play, the players make a horn a base of operations, do they stay there? Can they go back? Hey, you know, let's go back to the the aqua base. You know, with the androids, and you know, let's explore it more. You know, so they've left things to where you can maybe in the future do it, or it gives you more adventure uh, hooks later on. Yeah. They do a lot of that in this module. There's there's so many areas mapped out. You know, on the DM map with encounters. You know, so there's a lot of stuff there. And that was the other cool thing about the module was the module is kind of like a, you know, again, people listening can't see this. It's basically like a GM screen. Oh, yeah. Um, on the inside, for the GM, you have all the maps, so they don't even need to take them out. And then on the back side is the... Um, um, on the back side is the player's map, which they'll get. So the player's map will sit out there for them to look at, and they could tell you... And you have all and you have all the maps as a GM on the inside. So that was some good design, at least in in that sense. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that um, uh, and I love this is back in the day when you'd get the two maps. You get the player map, and then there's the game master map that has where all the booby traps and all the nasty is. And and like uh, sure, the player map shows you where the radiation zone is, but it doesn't show you what the intensity of the radiation zone is. It doesn't show you how the radiation zone gets more intense the closer you go to whatever's in the middle of it. Um, that was really cool, too. That was really cool, too, that they had that. Um, I, I really liked the, the, the use of two different maps, one for the players and one for the game master. Oh, yeah. No, that, that was, again, that's very D&D. Very D&D. Um, and, of course, one of the cool things I like, too, is on the inside cover of the book, on the, on the outer cover of the booklet, is one of is one of my favorite Gamma World art pieces is the uh, Earl Otis piece um, with the the guy in the tunnel with the fusion rifle with the bugums. I, I love that piece. I have actually have the I found a really good high res scan of it online and mm -hmm. I printed it out on an eight eight and a half by eleven sheet and I have it, it's it's on the the, the wall the, the wall of the apocalypse. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, Again, without going into you know any spoil you know super spoiler detail about the module, but overall, again, I, I think it's you know except for some dumb plot holes, you know like you know you know um, the car garage, some some dumb oh, things. There's things like that, and there's things like some things are a little bit too in stasis. You know what I mean? You get to a place and nothing has changed there. Yeah. You know, in a really long time, um, when I really feel like you know it. It, it, you know, uh, sometimes they do have things to change. In fact, the bunkers may be the best uh, version of an area that changes over time and that there's a sign that things have changed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they have not, they've aged in time. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. So, uh, but again, overall, it's a good module. There's a lot of good stuff in it. A lot of, again, other material like, like there's the one thing with the giant there, you know, I won't talk, but there's there's a giant lake somewhere on the map. Oh god. It has this really cool, like, really? Oh my god, but you know what? How are you ever gonna find out that stuff is there? Uh, and how are you gonna battle what's there? Because it's impossible, oh, you know. The, the lake monster is fucked up. And the idea that it that it is eating everything in the lake down. To the microbiological bacteria and algae and leaks, the water is the cleanest, purest water you could ever—at least as far as you know, uh, animals and bacteria and things like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the lake monster shits alkaline or something, or or or, or you know, something that poisons the water. But it's the, the idea is this perfectly clear, perfectly sterile lake, nothing alive in it. But it's not, and it's not, it's not part of the adventure. No, it's just a little side note. There's a lot of little side notes in this, which again unique, makes it really cool. And it's you a know, unique, it's a unique monster. 
Yeah, there's these little mini encounters all over the place. Now, the reward for that is tremendous if you could accomplish it, you yeah. know. Um, but there's a lot of little, uh, like these miniature, these micro encounters within this, like within the lands. Like if you just decide to wander around looking for stuff, you could, there's so much stuff that you encounter that they put laid out for the game master that he doesn't even have to populate, you know. So I think it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good. It's pretty well done. You know, it's it's a it's a nice adventure. Well, the one thing I would say about the the lake monster that it's a little and without getting into too many deals. And by the way. It's got abilities that really give me the creeps. There's, the, the, yeah. just, there's the, it's it's special ability gives me the creeps, but um, and it's got some great ways that it's a problem. But at one point it says, uh, let's see here, it lurks underwater and is basically immune to all forms of attack. But then it gives it has a thousand hit points, and I'm like, they mentioned the only thing that can hurt it. And then they say it has a thousand hit points. I thought the only thing that could hurt it, you know, depends on an intensity attack, like radiation or poison. And I'm like, wait a minute, if it's only damaged by an intensity attack, uh, why does it even bother listing the hit points? It felt like maybe an editing problem, you know. I'm not sure how I felt about that. Uh, I mean, do I am I remembering it right that 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 Intensity attacks like poison and radiation. It's just like you roll a con roll and either it kills you or it doesn't. It doesn't um, it doesn't do damage in Gamma World. No, uh, well, no, it can. Hold on. I yeah, uh, if, if, check out the um the, the radiation and poison rules. Because I could have sworn that that intensity attacks either kill you or you don't. You have an intensity rating, there's a saving throw versus that, uh, versus your con or whatever, and then that's it. That's the only that's the only uh, uh, possible way of dealing with it. We're going to edit this part out, so it's really short. So that yeah. The, well, yeah. No, I mean, depending on the on the level, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a high enough radiation, it could kill it, or I also could do a lot of damage. So, but still, thousand hit points is a lot of fucking hit so points. Does radiation actually do? Hit it can. Dice. It can. Oh, it does. Oh, geez. Okay, yeah. so hit dice. It can do hit dice of damage. Okay. Depending on the constitution, the level intensity, you know, there's a matrix. So okay. Look, you know. Okay. So, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, there's a lot of those little encounters. So again, overall, you know, for 1981, still in the early day, you know, Dungeons and Dragons was only published in 1974. So, gaming had only been around for you know, and it's modern sense you know role-playing games already been around for seven years so it was still in its infancy and it was still growing so not a bad module for uh you know for and, a, pr a pretty the, good game the descriptions are super short this is only 38 pages total including all maps and external cover 38 pages the descriptions are super short but they're really evocative right I mean, I get a really good idea of what's yeah, going on. They're very descriptive. They do a very good description in a short amount of text. And they waste no time. They waste no time and no words with flowery descriptions. It's just bang, and then it's enough to light up your brain to be able to create something to hang on that skeletal structure. Yeah, and it's up to the DM if they want to elaborate, embellish it more. You know, yeah. they give, they give, again, like I said earlier, they give you the framework uh, to go further with this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm really impressed at how lean, and yet how complete and and uh, tidy it is uh, for a game master to crack it open and just start playing it. Yeah, and they can. You know, my fantasy was always um, because unfortunately I played it. Um, there was an it, Dragon issue fifty two was a ca issue issue fifty two was a Cavender of the Subtrain, a little mini adventure. I always thought it'd be cool. It's like Oh well, too bad. You know, we didn't know about this. And my GM start off with a, as a beginning adventure, like the the you know the cavern of the subterrain. So you get a little experience and a couple of uh, one or two minor doodads. You know, yeah. then you're traveling around because you can place anywhere. And then you wind up at you know you know the barony of Horn, and then you go into the Legion of Gold. That would be cool to kind of connect. You know, all those adventures oh, yeah. somehow. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I just suddenly had this image of you start off at Albuquerque Spaceport 
you're blown into orbit to hit the space station, escape from the space station, and your reentry doesn't take you to Albuquerque. You just come down in like a parachuted escape pod and just land in Harn and just get out. And you could. You know, like, well, that was a that was a close escape. You'll never see Albuquerque again. You've been blown out of uh, uh, Mexico or whatever they call New Mexico in Gamma World. You know, out to the to the to uh, I guess uh, Gitchagumi. It's up. I guess Harn is supposed to be near Lake Michigan. Yeah, like um, Michigan. Yeah. Um, there's no reason you couldn't do that because once you get back to the spaceport, there's a dramatic scene of you escaping, and then there's nothing else to do there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, so you could you could do that. So the possibilities are endless in the theater of the mind. I don't know. <laughs> Um, oh wow, waxing poetic. Have you been yeah. drinking today? Is that no, 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 no. Because that's what they call everything now. It's like it's not doesn't matter about the rules and the and the addition. It's all the theater of the mind that matters because we're so pretentious. Um uh, man, I am a hateful person when it comes to gaming. Jared, but, uh, <laughs> Jared wants a goddamn give me a goddamn map and a dungeon crawl, or in this case, in this game, a series of dungeon crawls. Yes. Because you really do get four dungeon crawls for the price of one. Yep. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap it, folks. But that's Legion of Gold. Uh, so we you know, we talked a lot about a little bit of its history, what, what's involved, some of my own experiences with it, uh, just a lot of how we felt about the game. So, um, again, you could get them on eBay. People are asking some ridiculous prices. You could probably find them cheap. But there's probably a chance – um, I'm thinking that they may eventually put some of this stuff on print-on-demand because Watsy has been putting a lot of old gaming stuff, the you know the classic stuff, mm -hmm. on drive through RPG. Well, you know, like, didn't, they, didn't they just put first edition? They just put they just put first edition. Fourth edition rulebook was out uh, a while ago. They have seventh edition on there. Um, sixth edition books are there. So they're putting those out. Plus, you know, they did Boot Hill. Um, they're putting so much of the D and D old D and D catalog on there, so I wouldn't be surprised. If eventually, we start to see some of the modules come up there, and then you can just get them in PDF really cheap. Not that you can't find them pirated there, but a lot of times the quality is crap. Well, um, I'm seeing I'm seeing Gamma Knights. I'm seeing first edition. Uh, yeah, the Gamma Knights is uh, fourth edition. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not seeing that. I, I was I just I just looked, and no, I'm not seeing. Anything but that uh, that stuff from uh, that sixth edition stuff. Yeah, I'm just seeing the sixth edition stuff and the fourth edition stuff, and then not very much of the fourth edition. They don't have well. Again, give it in time. You know, give it time. They may. They may eventually. I think. You know. I think they're seeing. You know. They're trying. They're trying to jump on the retro wagon, uh, like what other people have been doing for freaking years, um, and putting this stuff out at least on PDF and print on demand. So. Uh, like I said, Boot Hill is there. Now this Gamworld stuff, all the old D&D catalogs. So you might see these come out in the PDF. And uh, I found at least recently, uh, like I got the PDF of the of the, of the the first edition Gamworld. And they did a good job with the scans and the quality. Nice, clean copies. You know, not not grainy, crappy. It's, it's nice and clean. So, you know, I gave them, you know, a few Domars for that just to get a nice, clean uh, official <laughs> copy, you know. Fucking Domars. <laughs> Remember, Domars are stupid. Oh, I yeah. love Gamma World, but Domars are stupid. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the uh, the invention of the, the the creation of the bottle cap for Fallout is is well, it feels like somebody looked at looked at Gamma World and said just what you said. Oh my God, there is there's no such thing as fucking uh, coins in the future. Plastic, plastic, plastic coins that probably look like the fucking Fisher Price ones that you got in the little cash register when you're fucking baby. You know that's that's all I can think of. When I think of Domars. Plastic ducats. Yeah, it's just Fuck. ridiculous. Fucking hell! Everyone walking around with their pockets jangling with fucking plastic coins. <laughs> they got the plastic part right, but they totally missed the fucking mark. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plastic cred stick where you have your money on, not plastic coins. Oh my god! Well, it was nineteen seventy-eight. I, I tell you, what would be funny is if it had literally been credit cards. People were using 
the plastic credit card that is dead doesn't work, but you have a stack of them like they mean something. You know what I mean? And like I, 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 could, like, I could go for that. You know, the red though if the if they're red colored, then they're worth this. And if they're blue colored, they're worth this. Yeah. You know? That make that would make more sense. But yeah. anyway. So uh that's it, folks. That's Legion of Gold. Um I haven't run it, but I've played in it. Scott has run it. Um, it is a classic. Uh, I think it's still. I think it's still a good module. If you know, if you like some old school gaming and like Gamma World, I think it's a it's a good module, and it's a it could be a good campaign. Yeah, you can make a campaign out of the whole thing. You know, the whole area. So, um, that's it. You know, again, I recommend it. <laughs> you know, if you if you can get your hands on it, you can get some people together to play Gamma World. Mm -hmm. Do it. So. Agreed. Um, and that's it, folks. Uh, like I said, we did three shows in a month. I'm like crazy, but we'll do something again soon. I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. Me and Scott will have to talk offline. You know, maybe we'll do another off topic just to talk about more all the stuff that's been coming out. You know, um, there's a filler, and maybe we'll do a movies. Uh, books are harder because we have to make sure we both read them, and then books take more time to read than watching a movie. So, um, but we'll figure it out. And we'll let you know. Uh, like I said, you know, we're definitely. We're definitely back. We're not going anywhere. Uh, like I said, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So then you'll always see when we post the new videos. Uh, but basically, I always tell people to go to the blog, podcast.groundzero.com. Anything we do, I post there first. And it's always that's the main hub. Uh, subscribe to the email. It just basically sends you an email. It basically, it just sends you the post that I've just posted so you know that something's going on. Uh, that's a good way to keep it prized. And then if you... Um, just like the audio, um, it's on. It's posted to the blog, and uh, it's also on iTunes if you're an iTunes user. So there you go, folks. That's it. So uh, thanks for joining us yet again. Um, that's all I got. We'll uh, we'll uh, see you in the wastelands. Good night. Good night. <laughs>